Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Y'all, it is no secret that I'm not really a quote-unquote sports guy. (laughs) I really admire sports and can genuinely enjoy watching all different types of sports, but it's just not my thing. However, I can 100% rally around and appreciate the incredible people in the sports realm that are using their platforms for good. That's like what gets me so excited and energized. So, in honor of all things World Cup this month, I thought we'd bring on a professional athlete to Sounds Good who's passionate about changing our world for the better. And his name is Amobi Okugo. Nigerian-American professional soccer player Amobi Okugo has had an incredible journey in the world of soccer ever since he was young. He was drafted after his freshman year at UCLA into Major League Soccer as a part of the 2010 Generation Adidas class. He's amassed over 150 appearances in all competitions professionally and has been honored to represent the United States national team program at various youth levels, including the 2012 Olympic squad. And here's what I love most. While playing midfielder with the Portland Timbers, he began the process of launching a frugal athlete, an organization helping increase financial literacy and encouraging prudent financial practices among professional athletes. After watching so many athletes go broke, waste all their money, Amobi decided that he needed to be a part of the solution of creating ways for athletes to use their resources wisely and plan effectively for the future. I'm Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. This is the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. I'm so excited about this conversation. It's a different kind of conversation than we normally take on, which makes it that much more special. I'm so excited. Let's just jump straight into this. I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for uh, taking a break from watching the World Cup to talk today, man. I know that uh, we're just getting started with the World Cup right now, so this is a big deal. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. Um, no, it was, it was actually perfect. We scheduled it at the right time, um, the podcast, <laughs> right when the World Cup's ending. <laughs> I mean, you were the one who scheduled it, so I like that you were thinking through this. You're like, okay, when does the game end? What time can we start this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I always feel bad, you know, if you're like doing a podcast and like you know someone's doing something, and easily like as a host, I'm sure you have experience where you can like you can sense the person you're interviewing they're like doing something else. So I didn't want to be rude. In the back of your mind, though, you were kind of thinking. I might have to turn this game on on mute behind uh, this conversation. Exactly. I already have <laughs> mute, phones on silent, everything's set up. So I'm not, uh, not being a distraction. So funny. Well, I'm honored, man. And as a professional soccer player, I would imagine that uh, this whole month, it's kind of hard to schedule things just because it's filled with, with World Cup stuff. Exactly. And especially uh, being on the West Coast right now. The game, oh, yeah, man. Three o'clock, five o'clock showings is just... You just have to stay up. You're like a you're like a night owl. <laughs> oh man! When did you get started 
playing soccer because for me this is actually the very first world cup where i've actually kind of been trying to pay attention i have almost no soccer experience in my life and i don't know why it was just maybe the people in my life never never played never watched when did uh you know your love for soccer begin uh so it was like born in me. Both of my parents are Nigerian. I'm first generation Nigerian American. So before I could even walk, I was, you know, my parents would take me to the park, specifically my dad, and we'd go out with the ball. And um, he would just play with me in the park until it was time to go or until I was, until I cried that I was tired of <laughs> going. So that's amazing. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I remember watching games with my parents and my uncles, especially uh, when I was younger, because, uh, in the 94 World Cup, it was hosted in the United States. Nigeria was in it. Um, 96 Olympics hosted in the United States. Nigeria ended up winning it. So uh, growing up, that was kind of what sparked me um, to finally get into soccer. And then I played for my, my school team. And then from there, just kept moving up. Did you have any inkling, like when you were playing for your school team, that this would lead to you playing in college and then you subsequently going uh, pro in the U.S.? No, it's it was actually funny because, uh, you know, when my parents originally put me into soccer, it was mostly to, you know, build relationships, you know, stay active, you know, yeah. out of school. And then my dad, I don't know if it's just because, you know, your dad, proud of his son, he always tells a story about, you know, we played like a, one of the local school, school teams and one of the opposing parents was like, make sure you keep him in soccer. He's going far. And that it just ended up happening. Man, that's awesome. That's so cool. I love that it was encouraged by your parents. Do you think that they had any clue that you were going to like actually have this be your career down the road? Or or was it a surprise to them too? Yeah, I think uh, very early on, it, they had no inclination. And then like I think around the time I was 12, 13, when um, other teams were like reaching out and, you know, agents and coaches and stuff were like saying make sure he stays in soccer and stuff like that they had an inclination that at the very least he can get a college scholarship and then from there it just just got to count my blessings because i was able to use soccer and end up making it to the professional ranks man that's wild okay so first of all that's crazy that you had like agents coming up to you at such a young age but then it's it's wild that you got to use that to go to college. Did you have your pick of colleges or, or was there one that just like really stood out in, in what they offered you and, and just kind of how their team was? Yeah, so it was crazy. Uh, I didn't even give you like the full like backstory. So Oh yeah, bring it. When I was in high school, my sophomore year, I got invited to the residency program. And basically the residency program is the under 17 U.S. national team program for the top 40 high school kids that um, play soccer. It's basically like a boarding school. They're located. What? Uh, That's incredible. Yeah. So they're located in IMG. You train every day, travel the world, play in hopes to, you know, compete at the U17 World Cup. So when I went to that program, I came back. I was there for my sophomore and junior year, came back for my senior year of high school. And when I was finally looking at colleges, my parents was like, were like, you can only go to California schools because I was away from home for a long time. So they wanted me, me to be elite. Oh, yeah. Schools. So um, when I, when I made my decision, it was it was down to Stanford, UCLA, Cal Berkeley, and Santa Clara. And I ended up picking UCLA. Nice, nice. And then did you go all the way through college or at one point did you jump out and go pro? I left UCLA after my freshman year and uh, went, uh, went into the draft. But I was able to 
um, take classes still, not through UCLA because I left so early, but I was able to take classes through some other programs. I ended up um, just graduating last December from university. Oh, wow, man. Congratulations. That's awesome. Way to, way to get it done. Oh, thank you. I, I, it, it was the only way I was allowed to leave school early if I had to promise. That's me. funny. By your parents? Yeah, I was allowed I had to promise <laughs> my parents I was going to finish. Is it pretty normal for players, you know, kind of of your caliber to leave college early in the world of soccer? You know, that rarely happens in in basketball and, and other things, right? But soccer, is that different or were you unique? I would say unique, but not really at the same time because um, a lot of players at that level, they don't even go to college. They start, a lot of people have, have made their debuts when they're 16, 17. Um, I think my parents were really, um, really big on education. So I at least had to test my test the waters in college. And I'm very grateful for that to be able to, you know, go to UCLA and experience that college um, student athlete life. Um, but especially in soccer on the world stage, um, a lot of guys, uh, I, I would be considered making my debut like old because a lot of guys, 15, 16, 17, um, are already in the professional ranks. Wow. That's, that's so, I'm like learning all of this right now. This is so fascinating. And so you entered the draft. Who did you end up with immediately? So I got drafted to Philadelphia Union. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And you were somewhere for a, a good amount of time. Is that where you were for a long time? Yeah, so Philadelphia, that was the team I started with. I was there for five years. Oh, dang. That's awesome. And so you were what, 20 to 25? No, so I was 18 to 24. Dang, dude. That's wild. You're young. And so you're playing soccer for your career. Tell me a little bit about what that's like to, to spend your life you know, getting to make money doing this sport you've been playing for years and years and years. Yeah, it's really crazy when you think about it because, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, you're growing up playing soccer for fun, you know, playing it just to stay active, build relationships. And then obviously there's this point when it starts getting competitive. And then now it's a whole different level. Like it's competitive, not only competitive, but now you're making money. So it's like a job. Yeah. You're not just competing with your age mates. You're competing with veterans, people that have families, people that are trying to put food on the table. So there's a whole different dynamic to it. And when I was um, originally drafted, just that shock of, all right, this is like a job now. You know, it's not just competitive sports. It's actually like a job. You're going to get paid for it. And depending on your performance, you can get paid a lot more or a lot less. So it's just, um, it really changed things and put everything into perspective. But at the end of the day, to be able to play soccer and make money at the same time, it's a blessing. I just wanted to take a quick break from this conversation to tell you about the sponsor of this week's episode of Sounds Good, Hover. Hover is the company that makes it easy to buy a domain name for your big idea. And I want to talk for a minute about their customer service because it is top notch and I have a real life story to prove it. Okay, so a few years ago, I was in New Zealand with my wife. We were on vacation and all of a sudden, I started getting all these emails from Amazon, eBay, social networks, basically all saying that I was doing things that I wasn't. Big purchases, attempts to change my email addresses, all kinds of stuff. I was being hacked everywhere. So I immediately went to the public library where I knew there'd be Wi-Fi and I could hang out for a bit. And I tried my best. I tried frantically to get all my websites and passwords and emails back under control, all while it was the middle of the night in the United States. 
And long story short, it turns out that all my passwords were a little bit too similar and one of my accounts got hacked and then the hacker got access to everything and it was 100% my fault. But all that to say, one of the things that was hacked was my website. The hacker took down brandonharvey.com and put up, without getting into too much detail with this, a very spammy site this place. You guys, it was so bad. And it, uh, it was it was just bad. Honestly, probably the worst thing that could have happened. And it was the worst time that it could have happened because I just released a brand new project. I'd gotten some recent press that linked to my website and I knew that people would be clicking. So I immediately contacted Hover's exceptional customer service team and explained the entire situation. And they were amazing. They were incredibly empathetic while also being incredibly secure. They got my website back up within an email or two, which was incredible. But to make sure that I wasn't another hacker or something like that, they told me that they were going to lock down my website until I got back to the United States and could verify my identity. And I actually really appreciated that. They totally knew that I couldn't have that terrible, awful website up on my site, but they also wanted to put my security above everything else. And after all of that, they also helped me make sure that I was more secure from there on out, which was so helpful and very appreciated. And so here's the deal. If you have an idea that you care about, you should buy a domain name from someone you can trust. And Hover is the best way to go. I know from personal experience. For listeners of Sounds Good, Hover is offering 10% off your first purchase when you visit hover.com slash sounds good. Go to hover.com slash sounds good today to save 10% on your domain name and to help support this podcast. Hover, making it easy to bring your passions and ideas to life and keep you secure and sane while you're in New Zealand on a vacation. Okay, now back to the rest of this conversation. At what point in this process did you did you start to kind of think more and more about this whole money situation? Because I know that in many ways you've dedicated a, a lot of your life to this idea of, of helping athletes understand uh, the relationship between sports and money and, and ultimately, you know, sustainable living. When did that kind of start popping up in your mind? Yeah. So, uh, I've, I'm growing up, I've always been interested in like business and finance, but I feel like it wasn't really until, you know, I started seeing it for myself at the professional ranks, um, especially with soccer in the United States. It's not um, in terms of monetary uh, compensation for the players. It's not yet at the level across the board for um, for all the athletes. So I've always just been interested. And in, then, you know, being in the situation where, you know, you're seeing guys um, come to unfortunate financial situations, whether it's through, um, you know, shady financial advisors, you know, you know, this, the hardships of, you know, trying to provide for extended family or just bad financial decisions. Uh, it was really tough to see. So that's kind of how my focus, um, shifted on trying to, you know, trying to change the narrative in that sense. And, um, yeah. And it was your peers that you were kind of seeing having a hard time. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just my peers in soccer. I, um, I've been fortunate enough. I mean, growing up, I didn't even say I used to play basketball. And um, my younger brother, who's uh, played played basketball at a very high level, um, just seeing um, different different players in different sports, whether it was the NBA, NFL, and then obviously the sports world was pretty small. So you know, friends of friends, mutual friends, and just um, obviously um, like news articles, just seeing people in my situation succumb to unfortunate money problems. 
And do you feel like there's, you know, because I read those articles too, and it kind of makes me wonder if there's something in the world of athletics that uh, maybe it's just because it you do start out doing it for fun. And so some of the money feels like it's fun. And then you kind of end up squandering it in a way that, that maybe doesn't happen if you are, you know, just working in maybe a more business context where, where you're making a good amount of money. Do you think there's anything inherent about the world of athletics that leads to it being more difficult to manage your money? Yeah. I think part of it's the kind of the, the like the lifestyle um, and the foresight for the athletes, because you've been playing a sport all your life. And then when you finally make it to the pro ranks, you think you're going to play all your life. When that's not really the case, you know, your body's going to decline, oh, yeah. unfortunately. And then there's going to be people younger than you that are going to ultimately take your spot. So that's part, that's part of the issue. Uh, part of the issue uh, is also, you know, being so young, you're blessed to be compensated uh, handsomely in terms of monetary uh, value and endorsements and bonuses and contracts. And uh, it's it's really hard to stay disciplined when you you know you see this money in your bank account, and you, you know you're able to buy things. It's, it's really hard to stay disciplined, especially as an athlete when the perspective and perception is everything. You know, fans, people, they ex- kind of expect you, you know, live a certain lifestyle, have a certain uh, have certain things that you know not many people have because you're the athlete, you're the you're the role model, you're the you're the guy or the um, the gal that's trying to that we're trying to aspire to be so that that kind of plays a role into it and um, also lack of financial literacy um, I, I feel like not a lot of athletes uh, understand the basics when it comes to financial literacy and how how being financially literate can help them yeah one of my favorite quotes is um, would you rather live like a king for today or live like a prince forever mm. and because athletes aren't as financially literate as they Uh, need to be they don't understand using their career earnings to last a lifetime that totally makes sense yeah oh what a what an interesting situation and so you you set out to basically create a a tool create a resource for you know your colleagues your fellow athletes who were having a hard time tell me a little bit more about what you started yeah so i started a frugal athlete um a frugal athlete is basically to promote financial literacy and share prudent financial practices and career decisions for professional athletes and student athletes. And by that, because athletes are uh, natural trendsetters for the community, kind of create this atmosphere where we can share it's okay to be frugal, it's okay to be smart with your finances and promote um, a frugal, um, prudent financial atmosphere. Tell me about kind of how, like what were the early days of putting this online? Was it just you know, a blog and you were writing things here and there? Or, you know, what did it look like when you first brought this thing to life? Oh, yeah. Uh, I quickly found a newfound respect for, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and bloggers and podcasters because (laughs) I didn't know how much work it uh, it went into, you know, starting something like this. Love it. Love it. So when I started A Frugal Athlete, it was really literally just Squarespace, created the blog. And then, you know, I, I got like 10 blogs together and I posted them all within like two weeks. And then after that, I was like, oh, wait, I need to be more consistent. So I was struggling like the first three months of how, how I was going about it. And then really about like a year ago, yeah, almost a year ago, a little over a year ago, I really changed how I approached the situation and how to build consistent content, how to be, build consistent strategies in different segments to keep 
the audience and keep the content uh, going. So it's been a it's been a learning process, but it's been fun at the same time. That's cool, man. I love that it started off with just like, okay, I've got this idea, and if I just put it out there, it's gonna work. And then uh, you kind of hit this wall, <laughs> like where you're like, oh, oh I this hit is the wall so quick. <laughs> I feel like everybody who has an idea, who has a dream, that's exactly what happens. And I think that that's normal and so healthy and so good to basically be like. I have this thing. It has to be out in the world. Like it's burning up inside of me. And then you get stuck on like the technical stuff, but it's like a great humbling thing. And it's so good hearing that like, that's how you felt too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Um, I think the most important thing is just to start and then you can figure out yes. later. Cause if you wait until it's perfect to start, that's when someone else um, takes your idea or something. So you're, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, man. There's this quote from a guy named John Acuff. He's an author and he says, 90% finish and out in the world is better than 100% perfect and stuck in your head. And I love this concept because it it reminds me that even though the things that I I want to put out in the world aren't perfect, they're not exactly how I want them, if I just waited until they were perfect, they would probably never get to make it out into the world. And so put it out there and then uh, you can always make things better. You can improve them, but you know you can make an impact without even, you know, having it at perfection yet. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to send me that that quote after we get off. Yeah, after. I got you, man. <laughs> That's a great quote. Good, man. I <laughs> I feel like you love yourself some quotes too. I was like looking through your site and stuff. I feel like quotes are where it's at. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because it's, it's uh, I feel like it's tangible. You've, you've heard it from someone that's a credible, credible person that said that. So yeah, I, like, I, lo- I love a good quote when I can find one. So tell me a little bit about, you know, the content that you're sharing and, and, and how that's been impacting athletes around you, because I'm sure that you're hearing back from people being like, man, I followed that advice and you just saved me, you know, a, a lot of money or, or a lot of time or a lot of energy or even relationships. Like what, what kind of feedback are you getting from people and, and what are some of the practical things that people are connecting with? Yeah. So, so far it's been great to uh, see um, such positive feedback, especially, you know, because, Athletes, there's not just one level of athlete. You know, not everyone's going to be like LeBron James or Tom Brady. So the athletes yeah. that you know may have to, you know, have to worry about getting a second job when their career is over. Um, they really kind of gravitate towards a frugal athlete just by sharing simple information or just you know help helping them kind of flip a switch. It's been really gratifying to see you know get a text message and say, "Oh, yo, thanks for that article because." Now I was like thinking of something along those lines. Now I got some information. I'm going to take it to my personal financial advisor and see how we're going to approach it. Or just like different things where like the jock, jock tax for a student athlete that's thinking about going pro and understanding that maybe I would rather play in Texas than California because Texas has no state income tax rather than California that has one of, is one of the highest tax states. So just different information that we're giving to the professional athletes, student athletes coming up to help kind of shift their mindset and give them examples of other athletes that have showcased what it means or how to be a frugal athlete and have been successful long after their career is over. I think what I connect with the most with this is the fact that this is such a, a, a unique situation for you to be in. You know, like I could not start a frugal athlete. If I started it, it wouldn't make any sense. I don't have, first of all, any athletic skills, let alone any experience in the professional athletics world. Like, you know, there's a lot of people in the world who, who could not start this thing, but you, you know, with your unique passions and abilities and relationships, 
you were able to make the choice to create this tool that that helps people in a similar situation to you and like that's what fires me up most in the world is seeing people you know take a step towards something that only they could do that's so unique to their lived experience i don't know it's just, it's energizing for me it's really cool yeah i think you touch on a great point you know just people there's a role for everybody in this world. You have a specific niche that can relate to a lot of different people. It's all about, like you said, making an impact and doing something good with those skill sets and characteristics that you have. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, what's going on in, in the world of sports for you right now. You know, what are you looking forward to? What's, uh, what's going on in your current state, you know, you know, outside of just a frugal athlete? Yeah. So right now uh, the World Cup started. So I'm hoping Nigeria Unfortunately, USA didn't qualify, but I'm hoping Nigeria can at least make the quarterfinals. NBA finals just ended, unfortunately. <laughs> hoping LeBron can uh, find a way to go to the Lakers. Besides that, uh, I'm currently a free agent, so just trying to stay fit, stay ready. Um, hopefully, some things will happen in the near future as the transfer window opens up. But besides that, really just soccer, a frugal athlete, and then some other like mini little endeavors there, but nothing too crazy. I guess that kind of leads to me to ask, like, where do you think that you're going to be in 10 years? You know, it sounds like you've got a great head on your shoulders as far as like, okay, what's the realistic lifespan for athletics? What's the realistic lifespan for, you know, anything in, in the world of sports? You've got this thing that you started a frugal athlete, you know, where do you see yourself kind of going down the road? Yeah. I mean, if I'm playing in 10 years, someone needs to sit me down and say, it's, it, it's over. <laughs> I don't see myself playing it for another 10 years. Uh, ideally, you know, I want to have, um, I want to be heavily involved in sports business, whether it's uh, continue to build out a frugal athlete. My vision for myself is that I'm going to be involved in a management consulting company with the emphasis on sports, um, sports business. Um, I really like, um, you know, like a front office role deals with this specific sports team, um, whether it's the general manager or, you know, president of business operations, something in that role where it's tied to yeah. sports business. So hopefully I'm, you know, I'm doing the groundwork right now, trying to make sure if I, if I really want to pursue that path, I at least have the pathway to do it. That's amazing, man. That's really cool. I love that you, you know, you've been laying the groundwork for that. And again, you know, if you go down that route, that's something where you're just so uniquely qualified for that based off of your experience as an athlete working in the business world, you know, with, with all of these passions and interests. And, and so it sounds, you know, like you're just continuing to follow down this path that's uniquely yours. Oh, thank you so much. I want to wrap up by asking, you know, for people who are listening to this and they're interested in starting something of their own, they're interested in uh, bringing something to life and, you know, it's uniquely them. It's uniquely something that they feel passionate about. What would you recommend to somebody who, who wants to just dive in and make this thing happen? I think we spoke on it earlier. Just start. Because, I mean, you know, you can wait until you have to get the regular permits and business licenses and stuff. But just start, to be honest. That would be my one pointer to the people listening, whether it's, all right, you know, you have your idea. All right, make it into a Twitter page, make it to an Instagram. Um, there's going to be someone that can relate to what you're trying to do and relate to your message or your impact or whatever you're trying to promote. So just start. Then, you know, once you figure out everything, then you start getting the regulations, get the website. And then from there, the world is yours. The sky's the limit. 
man, I love that Amobi came back to this idea of just starting something that you're passionate about. He's currently living out that advice in a very real, very practical way. He told me right after we finished up recording that he just started a foundation. It's called OK You Go, which is a playoff of his last name. And his foundation's mission is to help children from low-income backgrounds to unearth their talents and passions to build a better life, not only for themselves, but for their families and their communities. How incredible is that? And he just, you know, he doesn't have all the pieces together. He doesn't know exactly how you go through the process of starting a foundation, but he's just taking steps towards making it happen because he believes that it matters. And I do too. You can learn more about the foundation and everything else that Amobi is up to at amobiokugo.co. And while you're at it, make sure that you follow Amobi across social media and check out his organization, A Frugal Athlete. He also just launched a brand new podcast for A Frugal Athlete that is absolutely worth checking out. If you're new to Sounds Good, we would love for you to stick around, listen to some more episodes. If you enjoyed this conversation, you would also love my conversation with NFL player David Nelson and social entrepreneur and fellow Portlander Justin Zarati. You can find both of these episodes and more than 100 other episodes by searching for Sounds Good wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good Good Good, a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio edit and mix the show and Christy Karenbrock offers production support. You can get lots of hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at goodgoodgoodco. And we also create a beautiful quarterly newspaper that celebrates the people, ideas, and movements that are changing the world for the better. And here is a fun fact. In issue three of the good newspaper, we dedicated a whole section to athletes using their platform for good. You can check out all of the hopeful stories in that section in issue three of the good newspaper, which is currently on sale at $5 at shop.goodgoodgood.co. Yeah, that's a deal you're going to want to get. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and just start something that you've always been curious about and see where it takes you. Because why not? The world needs your passion and your initiative. Sound good? Good.